Hi everyone, Dr. Nutt here. Hope you're having a great day. And today I would like to continue our conversation on the chapter on, and the topic of learning. And um, I'd like to focus today on a specific type of learning called operant conditioning. Sometimes it's called instrumental conditioning. And operant conditioning, as you've probably probably been reading in your textbook, uh, has to do with consequences. And again, behavior that uh, is based on operant conditioning is completely voluntary, okay? And it's based on uh, consequences, okay? We associate responses or behaviors with consequences. And a couple of researchers that you, I hope, come to mind as you think about or consider operant conditioning would be Edward Thorndike. He uh, worked with cats. I know Ivan Pavlov worked with dogs. Well, Edward Thorndike worked with kitty cats. And he would put them in a box. Uh, it he would he made the box. It was called a puzzle box, and it was constructed out of wood. And he would time the cats to see how long did it take them to escape. And he knew the cats were learning uh, how to escape the box because their time improved every time he put them in the box. Okay, so. Basically, he developed what is known as the law of effect, which is the probability of a response is altered or affected by the response. Responses that lead to the desired result tends to be repeated. And those actions or behaviors that lead to undesirable effects, they're less likely to be repeated. So if you're out with your friends and... Um, uh, a pickup line works, then you're more likely to use it the next time. So that hopefully you get a giggle out of that. But the other researcher that you need to associate with operant conditioning, along with Edward Thorndike, is B.F. Skinner. B.F. Skinner uh, was famous for working with pigeons, with rats, and um, actually rats make really good um, lab animals to work with, more so than hamsters. The rats actually tend to live longer and they're actually more affect, uh, affectionate than a hamster or a gerbil. Uh, so they're, they're really great to work with. Uh, interesting note, uh, in graduate school, I had a graduate course. It was a learning principles class. It's one of my favorites. And we were assigned a rat at the very beginning of the semester. And my grade in that class was dependent upon the rat's performance. Yes. So I was very careful not to um, um, mess that rat up uh, per se. But we would put the rat in what is now known as a Skinner box. The Skinner box was named after B.F. Skinner. And again, a slightly different construction, of course, more modern. But it, the Skinner box is an apparatus designed to study operant conditioning in animals. 
my rat, her name was Pee Wee. Uh, she lived on the campus of University of Houston and uh, they, they, they lived in these aquariums. And I, I would work with the rat just once a week, actually. It didn't take uh, a whole lot of time. The rat, Pee Wee was always really motivated to work for me uh, when I would meet with her in the lab, the rat lab, because basically the animals are, are hungry. Uh, they're uh, kept at a little, little lower or a little less than their normal body weight. So because they what happened is the rat would work for food basically, or the rat was positively reinforced for food pellets. So, um, I know it's, it, it, I, pro I promise the, the rats were well cared for. Um, but again, it, it was, um, a great experience there at the university of Houston, clear Lake and, um, Pee Wee happened to win one of the um, races in the rat Olympics at the end of the semester. So I was super proud of my rat. So anyways, um, but a couple of important things to keep in mind when we're talking about operant conditioning and consequences. Um, and I've already used one of the terms that you, you guys need to know about or you need to be familiar with, and that is positive reinforcement and negative reinforcement and then also punishment. And I want to give you a heads up because oftentimes students really or the general public for that fact confuse a couple of the terms. People often confuse negative reinforcement and punishment. But I would like you to again really play play a uh, uh, close attention to those terms because they actually affect behavior differently. Okay. So as we get into this discussion, a couple of important questions that you want to ask yourself, because on the exam, on the quizzes, you will have to really assess a lot of examples because I'm looking for you to be able to apply this information. The, if you can apply it, then you know it. Okay. So here are my two questions. Number one, is a stimulus being added or taken away? Okay. If something is being added, think positive, think plus sign. If something is being taken away, think of a subtraction sign. And again, think of the word negative. Okay. The second question is after adding or taking away a stimulus, does the behavior does the behavior increase or decrease? If it increases, that equals the term reinforcement. I want that to sit on you for just a moment. Increase, meaning the increase of the rate of a response or the increase of behavior equals the term reinforcement. Decrease equals punishment. So let me, let me give you some examples. Why do you show up for work? Well, I bet they deposit money in your account or they give you cash at the end of the day. So that's a positive reinforcement because something is, this is in the positive reinforcement is given or applied when 
following the response or following a behavior. Okay, so positive reinforcement is when a response is followed by a reward or something positive. And it tends to increase the rate of that response because I bet you keep going back to work, don't you? Positive reinforcement. Okay, so let's talk about when something is being taken away. Remember, if something is being subtracted, then that is negative. I don't know how many of you have this habit of pressing the snooze button when your alarm goes off in the morning to wake up or your phone goes off to wake you up in the morning. Well, I happen to press the snooze button a lot. And that's actually how I lost my first college roommate was I pressed the snooze button way too much. So anyways, so again, when why do people do that? The reason why people have the habit of pressing a snooze button is in the morning, in the early morning hours, when you have this annoying sound or annoying music going off, that's what we call adversive or unpleasant. So we're quick to press the snooze button because it removes the unpleasant event of the loud noise or alarm. And it increase. I'm, I'm likely to do that when my alarm goes off because, again, I'm being reinforced. So snooze button pressing behavior is a negative reinforcement. When a response is followed by the removal of an unpleasant event or it puts an end to discomfort. Let me give you another example besides the snooze pressing behavior. If you get in your vehicle, your car, to travel to work or home or school or whatever, to go see a friend, when you get in your car and you maybe crank or, you know, turn on the car, you may have a red light on your dashboard or some annoying beeping bell sound. So you put your seatbelt on, right? It removes the unpleasant noise and it also removes the red visual light from your field. You just got negatively reinforced, right? It puts an end to the bell, the annoying noise, and it removes the red light from your visual field, okay? So that's negative reinforcement. One more example of a negative reinforcement before I move on. On your phone, when you check your text messages, how do you know you have a text message to even check it, right? To check your messages. Well, many of you probably have this little red circle at the top of the text message box. That red circle tells you, hey, you have messages, someone's trying to get a hold of you. And when you check your messages, it removes the red circle, right? You just became negatively reinforced, okay? Now, what about punishment? Punishment puts, that it decreases, a response. Okay. It's any event that 
follows a response that decreases the likelihood of it occurring again. Like if I get a speeding ticket because I'm speeding through Houston city limits and I have to pay a lot of money uh, that I did not want to pay because again of a traffic ticket, that is punishment. Okay. If something again is being added, that's positive punishment. If something is being taken away, that's negative punishment. So I have a great chart for you if you want to look at it in the PowerPoint posted in your Blackboard. So take a look. You're going to have to, I also have some practice questions listed for you in your Blackboard to kind of get some practice identifying, is that positive reinforcement, negative reinforcement? Is that positive punishment or negative punishment? So really get comfortable at really assessing is that decreasing behavior is it increasing behavior is something being added that's positive is something being removed or taken away that's negative so thanks for listening to this brief podcast today and i hope you all have a great day